Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with the Best Deal Ever Show. Today, I'm joined by my new friend, Sterling White. Sterling, how you doing? Hello, everyone. Go ahead, get your notepad out, get your popcorn ready, because there's going to be some absolute fire that is dropped. Nice. I love the enthusiasm. Sterling is going to bring it. I can already tell, man. He's got some nuggets of wisdom for us today. Hey, but first, tell us, tell us where you're from and what you do. All right. So I am in Indianapolis, born and raised in the not so good parts of the, the city where when people are driving through, they tend to lock their doors. Uh, had a, <laughs> had a uh, single mother that raised both my uh, twin brother and I. We were in uh, Section 8 housing, uh, food stamps. And so anything that I wanted above and beyond that as a kid, that's where the whole entrepreneurship spirit came into existence. First product, Kool-Aid. Second was Pokemon cards. And <laughs> cool yeah. wait time on Kool-Aid. Yes, Kool-Aid. You stole Kool-Aid? Yes, I would take uh, the the standard uh, Kool-Aid and then put sugar in the uh, in within a plastic bag and just would sell those to kids throughout the school. And they were just like elementary days. Eat like a, one of those dip things like where they would just straight yeah. up just eat the Kool-Aid. Exactly. Man, just you like had some that. hopped up kids in that school, <laughs> man. Munching yeah. down sugary Kool-Aid. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. What was the other product? Uh, Pokemon cards. Oh, Pokemon cards. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> it, and then, uh, yeah, how I got started in real estate was in 2009 on the construction side. And that's when I uh, fell in love uh, with real estate as a whole. Not so much construction because I was taking mortar, mixing it. I was a laborer and provided it to the bricklayers. Huge respect for those guys, but that wasn't a fit for me and shifted to uh, single family home investing and bought my first deal at the age of uh, 23 years old. This is 2013. No wow. money out of pocket. And I actually had negative funds in my bank account because I overdrew it, but was still over to overcome that. And then was able to scale up to 150 single families. And then in 2017, entirely shifted to uh, multifamily, was able to get up to just under 600 units. 600 doors? Uh, 600 doors, correct. Yeah, that's amazing. And so how many single single families did you do? Uh, close to about 150 owned. 100 owned. And do you still have that portfolio? Uh, no, completely out of single families. Wow. So you sold the portfolio and then just reinvested into multifamily? Correct. Yes. Man, that's amazing. And how long have you been doing this? You said since? 2009. 2009. Investing-wise, 2013. Okay. Gotcha. You know, it's interesting. I have met a handful of folks that kind of started on the construction side and they're, and you're working for an investor probably, and you see what they're doing. You're like, this isn't rocket science. I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing all the work. I just got to figure out which houses to buy and how to sell them. Right. Exactly. And so were you working for investors at the time? Uh, no, I, well, I was working for an, I was working for an investor, but I didn't see the, the high level in terms of what was going on. Yeah. I just knew from the readings, cause this is when I really started to shift to the self-development and really, uh, studying the ultra wealthy. And I saw that they had investing in, uh, what is it? Real estate in their portfolio. So I said, why am I a laborer when this is ultimately where I want to go? Yeah. Any particular books or education that kind of changed your mindset? 
Uh, rich dad, poor dad. I knew it. That's I set you up because I knew, I knew you were going to say it. I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> the, the layup there. The layup. Everybody, man, it's amazing how many people it's, it's changed their lives. It's changed their perspective. So good for you for reading that, man, and, and, and taking action. Yeah, there was him. That was a huge influence on me. Earl Nightingale, which is probably dating myself a, a little bit, but he hmm. he's a similar motivational speaker to like Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar. He's around the Zig Ziglar, most okay. likely before them, but he was the creator of listening while learning. Hmm. And he talks about the strangest secret. And that was an absolute game changer in terms of uh, we become what we think about. So that's when I really started feeding my mind more with positivity. Man, that's amazing. Earl, I've never heard of him. Earl Nightingale. I'll have to check him out. Very cool. So now you're doing multifamily in, uh, primarily in Indianapolis, or what does that look like for you now? Yeah, I would say uh, markets, are, so sub-markets around Indianapolis, as well yep. as uh, market larger uh, uh, cities that have a MSA yep. uh, in, uh, what is it, Kentucky. So Lexington, okay. as well as Louisville. But oh, interesting. Have, have deals in Louisville. Nothing just yet in Lexington. I gotcha. And are you primarily syndicating? You're out there finding investors to, to come into your deals with you? Correct. Yes, yeah, syndications. Okay. And are you are you you're basically the operator? Yes. You're managing. I'm the operator. Okay. Man, fantastic. All right. So you've been doing this a number of years. You did a ton of single family. You've done some multifamily. Is there any deal in particular that stands out as your best deal ever? So I would say my very first deal that I put together was my best deal ever because one, right. that's how I was able to get my uh, foot in the door. And then also there was so many limiting beliefs that I yeah. absolutely just shattered uh, through that process. Man, that's good. Even if, you know, a lot of times, if, if it's not your, the most profitable deal, it doesn't mean it was the, wasn't the best deal. I mean, if you learn the most, absolutely that could be a best deal ever. So let's, let's talk about how did you find this very first deal? Gosh, so uh, taking a step back, I tried just about everything. So I was putting up bandit signs. I was doing yellow letters. Uh, so pick the specific location. So the person who I ended up partnering with was my mentor at the time. And the I didn't have any cash. Uh, my credit score, when you would pull it, wouldn't even register. However, I decided, yeah, that's how that it. it like you just had no, it wasn't that it was bad credit. You just had no credit. <laughs> no credit. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. That's so actually probably that, better than bad credit. You think so? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and however, I decided to not use that as a, I, I looked at it as a problem to be solved. So yep. I found my mentor and he was looking to diversify from multifamily to single family. And I said, okay, well, I know you don't have the time to, to find the deals. That's uh, where I come into play. So from there, pick the specific neighborhood, did yellow letters to the homeowners uh, in that location, and then also was putting up bandit signs and then networking with other wholesalers that were in that, uh, were doing deals in that uh, setting as well. And yep. then ended up getting one uh, from a local wholesaler, sent over the deal, vetted it, and then ended up uh, moving forward from there. So you were doing all the right things to find off market. And ultimately, it was a wholesaler that brought you the deal. Yeah, exactly. Which can happen. Dude, there's not, I mean, I've bought more houses from wholesalers when I've been marketing in the same areas. That's just because they got to it first and made five or 10,000 bucks. Who cares? If it's yeah, a deal, it's a deal, right? Exactly. And that, that's one thing I had to overcome is the scarcity mindset. It's completely fine that that person is making money as long as it pencils out on the other end, then by all 100%. means. Hundred percent. Shouldn't it really? It's funny because it's always going to rub somebody the wrong way if you see that a wholesaler's making a whole lot of money. But it shouldn't matter if the number pencils out for you. It pencils out for you, right? Exactly. All right, so, what did you? What sort of house and what did you buy it for? 
Uh, so this specific house, it was a three, it was in a working class setting, I would say a C plus type neighborhood. Yep. And, and through that was three bedroom, one and a half bath and yep. bought it for $25,000. So those of you who are on the West Coast or even East Coast, you get some very affordable houses out here in Indianapolis. It's not a shed by any means that's falling. Wow. Up. 25, you said? Correct. It needed, it needed 25,000, uh, 25 in renovations as well, yeah. though. But what as, year was this? Just out of curiosity. Oh, gosh. This was, I'd have to revert, uh, 1920s or so, 1930s. 1920s. And then when did, and when did you buy it? Uh, this was 2000, October of 2000. I'd have to pull up. I know it was in 2013. 13. Okay. So the market hadn't really fully, fully recovered yet. So there were still some deals. Could you buy that same house today for 25000 Not at all. Not, Not at all. all. Yeah. That's I would kind of say what I figured. in that condition, it was uh, 50 to 60. Yeah. In terms of, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So the timing was good. Bought it for 25. And what was your plan with this house? Uh, buy and hold. Buy and hold. All right. So it needed 25,000 renovations. What did that look like for you? Uh, it, and after the renovations, it was uh, 850 in terms of the rent. And nice. the, the rehab went to just updating the, the, the flooring. The, the garage needed some uh, uh, addressing of the roof, uh, paint scheme throughout. It, it needed quite a bit of work. Gotcha. Yeah. So how did it, how did everything come about? You bought the house from the wholesaler. How did you structure that then with your investor, with your mentor? Yeah. So through that is instead of taking a simple wholesale fee, I could have made two or three grand on that specific one. I requested equity. So I was thinking long-term on that and yep. my sweat equity that I brought to the table, I was able to get 15% and okay. then able to get the remaining 85%. But through that is I was managing the contractors. I did the, uh, showed up to the closing. So did the uh, title work and then took the incoming leasing call. So I did everything hands-on, learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes and yeah. was able to uh, uh, apply those, different, those lessons moving forward. I mean, that's creative. So he put up all the money, but you found the deal, managed the, the rehab, put the tenant in place, did the closing and made 15%. I'll tell you what, as an, I'd take that deal all day long as an investor. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. Let's, and you learned, I mean, you got a piece of the deal, but you also, you were learning the process. So what sort of mistakes did you make along the way? Anything crazy? I would say when I first walked into the house, I anticipated, and this is one thing I did too, is looking back, I trusted the wholesaler's numbers. So originally they said the rehab was going to be closer to about 15,000. <laughs> Never walked, trust a, re, a wholesaler's rehab numbers exactly. ever. Yeah. So ended up costing 10 grand more. And then okay. there was delays in terms of it was during the winter months, which in Indianapolis, the winter months can get pretty brutal. Yeah. Uh, and another lesson that was learned once the residents got in uh, about seven months into it, they uh, sub started subleasing. So they completely moved out and oh had gosh. people from because they were uh, restaurant bartenders and they had <laughs> other uh, bartenders from the work that were living there. It was a complete nightmare. Ended up getting it figured out. But still, it was like, ah, wow, that's definitely lesson learned there. Now, for your investor, did he did he get hard money or did he put up cash and then refine to something long term? Uh, just all cash on that specific deal, still holding it. Yep. I have since then exited out of that uh, partnership entirely okay. uh, and shift to the, the, the company that I founded in 2014. Gotcha. So what did that look like after you did the work, you got it leased up, the thing's cash flowing, your investor still owns it cash. And you said, hey, you know, this was a great venture. I want out. What did that look like? How did you exit it? 
so that was just a writing up of the it within the partnership agreement. Mm-hmm. I think it was just a, a simple, gosh, what was it? Two to three grand in terms of what the buyout was on that. Okay. Okay. So he bought you out for two to three grand and then that's basically all you made on the deal. Yeah. Uh, along with all the uh, tuition that I ended up or the, the education that I got, Dude. which was far more what I got from college. Well, no doubt that. And that's, you set yourself up from the beginning that it was never going to be like a windfall. It was like, I want to do this. This guy's going to facilitate it for me. I'm going to learn. I'm going to do all the work. I mean, good for you for right out of the gates, just saying, give me a shot. I don't need to make a bunch of money. I just want to do it to just prove that I can do it. Yeah. And myself uh, is I started working for him for completely free within his uh, management company. And he was more of a old school operator. Mm -hmm. So the problem that I saw for him was just uh, uh, creating more of a digital presence with his apartments being available for rent. So that's one thing I want to mention to everyone who's on here. If you're looking to just get your foot in the door is to always uh, not think of things as a take but how can you create value for that uh, individual? And in return, you can get some value in exchange. Absolutely. I, I would guess, this, is this the only deal you did with this guy? My guess is you've done some other deals. Uh, so ended up buying a, a, the a property right across the street. That was uh, 40000 and then put 5000 into it and rented it for seven twenty five. Wow. Those are such good numbers, man. Was it this? And so when you did it, no, unfortunately, I mean, Atlanta used to have crazy numbers like that. Not anymore, man. It doesn't exist. Uh, but so did you structure that other deal the same way with him? Yeah. The exact same way. Okay. Yeah. He, he, he had a gravy train there for a minute. He's like, this is fantastic. Let's keep doing this. But you got your, I mean, you got your education. You did this for what a year or so. And then said, okay, I got my education. I'm ready to move to the next level. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. At that time, I was also doing some uh, wholesaling as well. I was doing some fix and flip, but I really ended up settling up on buy and hold because that's what I truly enjoy uh, most and where I saw the ultimate wa- uh, wealth is built. Gotcha. Gotcha. Just curious, did the investor, did he ever refi out his portfolio and he didn't stay cash probably? Ah, that is a great question. I'd have to follow up with him. I haven't talked in a while. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. He got mad when you left and started doing it on your own. <laughs> He's like, where's my guy? <laughs> That's okay. So, I mean, uh, amazing way to enter this business. What did you, what did you learn? How did, how did it change your business going forward after you did this deal? I would say from that is the lessons I learned is reputation is key in this industry. Uh, meaning that, uh, it's, I would say it's very small. So on the, let's say the multifamily uh, side, or even when you're doing single families and you're dealing with agents, that if you have a bad fallout with one, they tend to talk and that reputation will carry on. So prime example, if you go into a deal knowing that you're going to retrade and retrade is just another uh, form of renegotiate the deal. Mm-hmm. If you're known to do that, then people will not want to work with you. So that was one thing is reputation. And then uh, additionally is, uh, I would say, how crucial mindset is. That, that's something even before the partnership of just yeah. beliefs, meaning that there was, uh, for the longest time, I thought investing in real estate was only for the ultra wealthy. And uh, that secondly, that you needed a large amount of cash. I didn't have either one of those, but still was able to get my foot in the door and not let any obstacle decide to uh, look at it as a barrier, but how can I go about solving this versus boom, I'm stagnant. Yeah, man, I love that story. Cause you're right, it totally is mindset. It's especially you coming up, you know, with a poor upbringing, 
that I'm sure it's drilled into you that they have and we don't. And here, and here you are saying, I don't believe that. That's garbage. I'm going to come in. I'm going to partner with somebody. I'm going to learn. I'm going to use their cash instead of my own. Make some money in the process and then break down all those barriers and, and then launch the business. That, I mean, in a short amount of time for you to own that many doors is phenomenal, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Kudos and, to you. And one thing I want to mention, this is a huge uh, uh, fan of uh, Grant Cardone. Love him or hate him, most people who are on here. <laughs> is, uh, he talks about uh, unlearning certain things. And I wow. thought that was like a, a mind shift for me is because that's exactly what happened in that case is there was limiting beliefs, which I still have limiting beliefs uh, still to this day that I'm steadily looking to unlock. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's what I was able to get from really investing in myself, listening to self-improvement, uh, positivity on a daily basis, and being around other people who are looking to push themselves up more to unlock certain limiting beliefs to where, okay, I can do this uh, instead of looking and look at it as why not can I not do it. Yeah, that. yeah. Man, what a good reminder that is for folks that are focusing so heavily on just educating before they get started. I would say before you educate, you change your work on mindset because mindset, man, it's so critical to your success is to believe that you can do it and focus on the positive. And, and the fact that you did that, I'm sure you would attribute so much of that to your success is just switching your mindset. Oh my gosh, so much. So yeah, always. Even when I shifted to multifamily and was going through brokers, they would send over deals, wasn't working out uh, in terms of the number side. So I said, okay, well, I can just wait or just keep relying on the brokers. But I decided, why not go direct to owners as a, a pathway to beat the brokers to the punch in, in essence. And that's how I've acquired all my multifamily deals was just off market. But that's the same principle yeah. is just how can I figure this out? Yeah, right. I, I don't need somebody else. I'm not going to believe what they're telling me. I'm going to figure it out on my own. There we go. Awesome. Man, Sterling, this is super inspiring. What a great, it's funny, maybe the smallest amount of profit on a best deal ever, but maybe the biggest takeaway is, man, for somebody, because I think it's more relatable what you're telling our audience right now, somebody that wants to get started. And here's how you got started with no credit, no cash. You got your foot in the door and look a couple years later, look all the doors you own. That's super inspiring. I love it. Exactly. Credit, credit score wouldn't even register. <laughs> That's right. I, I kind of love it. Better than horrible credit though. I guess you can establish new credit. Uh, Sterling, man, this was so good. I appreciate you coming on, buddy. For sure. Uh, thanks everyone for being on here. All right. Talk soon. Hey friends, let's talk for just a minute about the market we're in right now. It's tough, right? Deals are hard to come by. The last thing you need is trouble funding a deal once you've done the hard work to source it. Trust me, I get it. I've been at this for 16 years and financing deals is often a huge pain in the rear. So I decided to solve the problem. I launched Red Capital Lending for real estate investors like me and probably like you. The days of paying 12% interest are over. And if it's taking more than a week for your lender to close, you're using the wrong lender. We've built Red Capital Lending for the sole purpose of providing the lowest cost of investment capital possible. I'm talking about interest rates in the sevens. With the highest level of customer service and with the fastest turnarounds, our goal is to provide funding within five days. If you've got a deal coming up and you're ready to save money and avoid the typical hassles associated with most lenders, take a minute and just submit your deal at redcapitallending.com. We'd love to work with you and show you just how easy it can be to fund your next project. Again, redcapitallending.com. 
Okay, so let's get back to the show, except in this segment, we're gonna talk about the deals that didn't go so well. Hope you enjoy. All right, I'm with my friend Sterling White out of Indianapolis, and Sterling, I wanna hear about your worst deal ever. Okay, so my worst deal is just, uh, upon reflection, is to always listen to the seller uh, when they are uh, talking about what needs to be done to the property and just really honing in on what type of repairs need to be done. Because uh, on one deal that I ended up looking to acquire, ended up losing $9,000. And this was, beef. this was just in the due diligence phase. Oh, gosh. So is this, I know that you transitioned from single family to multifamily. Uh, was this one of your first multifamily deals? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. Because as I say, single family due diligence doesn't usually cost that much money. <laughs> I mean, uh, but a, a multifamily, that's, it can cost that much and it's, it can be money well spent. So what did that look like? You put, how big was the, was the property? Uh, it was 118 units. 118 unit multifamily in Indianapolis? Uh, this was in Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, Cincinnati. Okay. All right. So not even in your market. How, how did you, I'm just curious, how'd the deal even come to you? Uh, this was off market. So just going cold call. So by far, I know some people, when I mention cold call, they're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, cold calling does work. So you were cold, you, you bought a list, you skip traced it, and you, uh, and you cold called the owners of multifamily yes. deals. That is correct. Okay. Killer. So cold call to this owner, he says, yeah, I got something. What, what did that look like? In terms of the numbers, it was around about, was it 40,000 per door? So 40 times 118. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that sounds pretty freaking good. What was the rent on those things? You remember? Uh, average rent was uh, $700. Okay. So around that. So working class uh, setting. Yep. Yep. All right. And so the, what did the owner tell you? He said, he, 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 we've got some repairs that are needed. Yeah. I would say the main one was he, there was several buildings at the property. There's 118 units. It was close to about 10 buildings. Okay. And he had ownership uh, just over 10 years. And he mentioned that uh, actually closer to 20 years and mentioned that he had been patching the roofs for the duration of that time. And in the underwriting assumptions underwrote that, a, a quote of just patching the roofs. And that was not uh, very, I would say, intelligent at that time. And through that, that was just a, a rookie mistake. Ended up walking through the units, uh, everyone. So wish I would have brought a snack while walking 118 yeah, units. I was say, that's a lot. <laughs> oh, wow. You went into every single unit, not just yes. every building. Every single unit. And <laughs> wow. And on the top floor of each of the, the, the top, the, the up, upstairs had a leak in the ceiling. So yeah, ended up getting uh, contractors up there, roofers to get a bid. And uh -huh. all, all three, uh, all four of them said that you're going to need to replace all these. So it went from 150,000 to closer to about 400 to 450,000. Dang. In, yeah. in total, in total repairs. Correct. So you're at home underwriting this thing thinking uh, maybe I'm in the 150 range and, but reality you get out there and it's a 400 K. So yeah. what did you, so what kind of, what kind of due diligence items did you spend that money on? The due diligence items were more for the third party reports of the agency. So uh, we were doing a, a Freddie Mac, a small balance loan on it. Okay. All right. So they're doing so level a, three. And yeah, so yeah. there's appraiser, there was an engineer that came out. Uh, and there were other individuals as well that we had to compensate for that. Inspe big inspection, I'm assuming, on the whole thing? Correct, inspection as well. Yep, yep. And so those items, when you're working to get the loan, they ask for all these things, 
And those items cost what, about nine grand, you said? Yeah. And nine some, some, depending on the, the market, may cost even more. Yeah, yeah. And so 9K, you're into this thing and you, you realize, oh my gosh, I'm not going to spend 150. I'm going to have to spend 400 to get this thing. And what the, the pro form just, just sort of- roofs. That's just on the roofs. Just on the roofs? Yeah, just on the roofs. 400 grand for the roofs? Yes. Holy to moly. To be replaced. To be replaced. So to do a tear off and then replace. Gotcha. And so how much other renovation was required on the deal? Oh. Probably a lot. Yeah, significant. This was quite a bit of deferred maintenance. It was yeah. going to go in and implement two-tone paint scheme, vinyl plank flooring. So really upgrade the unit. So it was looking about between about uh, seventy five hundred to nine uh, eighty five hundred in terms of renovations on a per unit basis. Per unit. Oh crap! Yeah. And so when you got the higher number for the roofs, did you go back to the seller? He didn't want to renegotiate the price. He was not budging at all. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So basically you just said, I can't, the, the numbers don't work anymore. And you, what you walked away from the. Yeah. Project. And this was another lessons learned, lesson learned. Huge lesson is to always trust your numbers. So this was one thing ended up coming back and saying, uh, well, actually we can push up the rents a little bit more to be able to offset the additional costs for the roofs. But yeah. as that was going through, I was like, Nah, this is exactly where people get caught, get in trouble, trying to be a little bit over aggressive yeah. and just ended up walking away from it. Best $9,000 you've ever spent. Yeah. The very next deal right after that, which was a 80 unit in Indianapolis, uh -huh. got the seller to replace the roofs before closing. There you go. Yeah. So, that, that's man. That's even better than building any pro forma. Just let them freaking do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They actually ended up, and this was another lesson on that deal is to always get everything in writing. Uh, we thought they were going to do a tear off on the roof. They ended up doing an overlay. There was all, uh, it, it was no. just one layer there. So it's not, okay. on, but still it's like, Oh my God. I know if you're going to do it, spend just a few extra bucks and tear it off first. <laughs> So I get it, man. I mean, I, I'm sure early on eating that 9,000 bucks, cause that's out of your pocket. It's not, you didn't bring investors in the deal. That's just straight up your money. It's gone. The deal didn't happen and it's painful, man. I've been there, but at the same time, good for you for walking away from that dumb thing. I mean, it's that it would have been so easy to be like, I'm this far in, everything's lined up. Let's just push the rents. And in the, at the end, man, it would have underperformed. You'd have been up a creek. Your investors would be mad. And man, it's so much better just to eat the nine thousand and walk away. Yeah, exactly. It's tough as you're going through it, but yeah, if you, it just it comes down to looking long term ultimately. That's and, right. And looking at the nine thousand is tuition paid. Education, yeah, Education, money, yeah. money well spent. It's funny. I have a professor when I was getting my master's degree. He's actually a big developer in Atlanta, and I remember him saying the best deal he ever did was the deal he didn't do. Wow. Which All makes right. it, I mean, I remember clearly back in 2009, him saying that, and that hit me. It's like, you know what? That is so right. Don't force a deal if it's not, if it's not the right deal. And did you hear that several times before that? And then boom, it just uh, stuck at that point. No, I think, I think I probably had just bought a really crappy house. And then he said that I was like, <laughs> the, timing. <laughs> the timing was like, man, you're right. I wish I'd heard that a, a week ago. <laughs> But that's, it's, it's resonated with me ever since, man. If, if, if the deal's not good, don't force a deal. Just eat, you know, eat the, eat the 9,000 and walk away. Exactly. So good lesson, man. Good reminder. Sterling, man, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Ken. Woo-woo. <laughs> All right, take care. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called... 
profit like the pros. If you dig the best deal ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters that will not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. From wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. And whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, please leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.